Wow, that is pretty awesome. Hello, Ponderosa. Good to see you all. If you got your Bibles, John is where we're going to be at. John chapter 1. We're going to look at that. Thanks to Hume Lake, sir, and Mikey, we're going to get through the whole book of John in, in six days. That's very easy to do. Appreciate you guys. Uh, it's a lot. And, and I'll say that as you're opening up your Bibles to John chapter 1. Uh, it is going to be a lot, and we can't cover it all. But you got the ability to read it. If you don't get to it this week, please continue to read things that we're uh, even going to just surface level go over because we just don't have enough time to really dive into it. But this thing changes us, and we're going to talk through uh, the Bible a little bit more tonight. But hopefully you have them again, as Sarah mentioned last night. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, just go uh, maybe right after this, grab one from the back. That would be awesome. Hopefully you've got your little booklets as well. Grab those. We're going to take some notes. In fact, in, in a moment, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to have time to process. Here it goes. It's like this. First, or John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not a thing made that was made. In him was life and the life of the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were, not born, not, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace, and there it is, truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he who I said he would come after me, the ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. There it is again. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Would you pray with me? Lord, Lord thank you for uh, this camp. and Thank you for bringing each student, counselor, youth pastor up here. May we get time with you not just here in the chapel times, but his life just gets crazy with recreation and free time activities. Lots of things to do, friends to hang out with, new people to meet. God, I pray that we stop throughout the day and just be in awe of you and maybe just ask questions about who you are and just get time with you because life is busy down the hill and it is nice to be in a place where we just kind of rest, and I pray that that's what we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So my name's Rich. I have had the opportunity to be up at Hume Lake for 14 years. In fact, I uh, was in this chapel for 14 years as camp director. Loved high school ministry. It's awesome to be back here, uh, back on the stage. I love it. Feels like home. for, for 14 years, I was able to help put these themes together and figure that stuff out. It is awesome. Uh, lots of memories are just flowing, so bear with me on that. Is I feel like it's you know seven years ago, because about seven years ago, I, I rolled from here, uh, felt the call. Uh, I loved camping ministry. I loved it, but my heart was just beating for church ministry and being a part of the local church, and that's going to come out, I'm sure, as I, I shepherd. That's what I do now. I, I, I have the opportunity to shepherd uh, adults and, and uh, men's ministry stuff, but also just community and trying to get people around uh, one another to uh, build one another up and sharpen each other in the Lord and grow in the, their love for the Lord. So I love what I get to do. I'm in Long Beach, California. I love it uh, down there. I mean, my family moved down down there, so I've been there for seven years. But again, my family, you know, basically I got married up here, uh, you know, I had, had kiddos up here, and my, my kids just knew this place all of their life. In fact, here's my family. This is a little Isley uh, on the right, um, my wife Allison in the middle, going on 15 years of marriage, woo! And then my boy August, uh, those that have been here a, a long, long time, we are old, but August, you know, I brought him out when he was first born. I brought him out with the old Lion King music. I had him in a little lion's outfit. I was like, look what I made, right? And uh, people cheered, but... Uh, it was great. So he's, he's old now, man. They're both in wagon train here at camp this week, and they're super jazzed. I love it. Uh, but we left here, him, we, you know, we, we got knots passes. I'm sure uh, uh, some of you guys love the old, te- you know, uh, log ride there. Um, we got a story about this. Uh, but recently, um, uh, we, we have had a new addition to the family. Um, Scout right here. Oh, cute little... Don't say awe. We redid our backyard. Just this morning, I was FaceTiming my wife, and she's like, this dumb dog just ripped out all this stuff that we just planted. I'm like, ah, because she's crazy. Look at this thing. Ah, she's crazy, right? But don't worry, it's my son's arm, so it's fine. We're at the beach. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, uh, let, let's talk family for a moment, and, and we're going to dive into this thing. Um, as, I, as I mentioned it, we left here, and with my, my family, we, we got down to, to, to Long Beach. We're 20 minutes from Disneyland, 20 minutes from Knott's Berry Farm. I wanted to go get Disney passes and couldn't afford them. So we went to Knott's Berry Farm, which is not Disney, right, at all, especially if you're in Southern California. It's just not Disneyland at all, but it's fun. Kids loved it. My kids are uh, about six, seven years old. My, my son, he'd never really been on roller coasters because we lived up here in the mountains. I was like, hey, bud, you, you want to go try this roller coaster? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And it was called the Jaguar, right? Jaguar, watch out. And uh, any Knott's fans out there? Anybody in Knott's very far? <laughs> Relax, it's not Disneyland. Uh, so... You know, with Knott's Berry Farm, there's, you know, it's usually like a three, four minute wait because there's not a lot of people there usually, right? So you could get on those rides. Our first time there, it, we happened to go on a Saturday, bad mistake. And, uh, and we go and we stand in this line, but I didn't know how long the lines usually are. Well, this was an hour long wait to get on this dumb ride called the Jaguar. It doesn't do much except just kind of go around the park. We're standing there. And I'm like, hey, August, are you sure you want to go on this thing? He's like, yeah, for sure. Dad. We have to go on it. I'm ready to go. I was like, all right. 30 minutes into this line, I'm just banging my head against the wall. Like, this is awful. It's, it's hot in here. Like, August, are you sure you want to ride this ride? Dad, we're not leaving. We're riding this ride. 
awesome, all right? So another 20 minutes goes by, and I cannot believe I've just wasted all of my life so far standing in this long line for probably just like a, a small little ride. Well, we're now close to the front, and when we get up there, we're inside this little building, and it shakes a little bit, not because of the ride we're going on, but because of the ride outside, which is Montezuma, Montezuma's Revenge, right? That's the crazy ride. It goes upside down, and it shakes a lot. So it's shaking this building. All of a sudden, August is like, uh, Dad, uh, I'm getting a little nervous. I was like, suck it up. We're not leaving now, right? It's been, it's been almost 53 minutes to the dot. So I'm not getting back out of line. He's like, but dad, I'm like, zip it. We're going on this ride. All right, now we're next. The, the doors open, the people in front of us go, and then the doors shut and we stand in the front. I'm like, yes, not because I'm excited to ride the ride, but I'm excited to ride the ride because that's the point of standing in the line, right? My son looks at me again, just kind of scared and sad. He's like, dad, I, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, buddy, I was tender, right? Buddy, you can do this. We got this thing. It's going to be fine. It'll be fine. All right. So people get out. They're all, you know, excited and some scared, right? Doors open up. I put him in first because, you know, once he gets in, he can't get out. And uh, he gets in and then I sit down. I'm about to pull the bars down. And he's like, Nope. And he jumps out of line, right? And he jumps out of line. But I'm sitting down in here, uh, and he's, he jumps out. And the kid's smart. It's six years old. He's out of my reach. I can't grab him, right? I'm like, August, get in the car. He's like, Dad, I'm sorry. I can't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't do it? We're doing this ride. It's now 59 minutes. We're getting to ride the ride. That's why we stood in line. He's like, I can't do it, Dad. I'm like, get, get in here, right? And everyone's like, hey, hurry up. I'm like, you be quiet. Son, please get in the car. And they're like, you need to sit down, sir. I'm like, just relax. 59 minutes I've been waiting in this line. Son, come on, come on. He's like, Dad, I can't. He's getting farther away. I'm like, this isn't good. And so I kind of get out of my seat. I'm like, August. And literally, I think it's now just quiet, right? In my mind, it is. Probably super loud and whatever. August, please, buddy. Like, this is, it's going to be fine. Just trust me. Just get in the ride. It's going to be good. He's like, I'm sorry, Dad, I can't. And he walks out, and he leaves, and he goes down the ramp. I'm like, well, somebody's going to steal that kid. And uh, I'm just kidding, right? So I get out. I got to get out of line because my son decided he was too weak to go on a ride, right? So I walked down the, the, the little thing with him. It's a really good dad moment, right? I'm walking down in August who's just, I mean, he stood in line with me, right? And I walk right back, you know, I go right past him. And he looks at me, he's like, dad, I'm so sorry. And I said this, I need a minute, August. And this stupid train is going up. And I'm literally thinking, I should be on that ride. Because I've never even been on it. But I'm like, I stood in line for an hour. I want to go on that dumb ride. And I'm just mad. And it's so stupid. <laughs> Hindsight, but I was mad in that. Don't judge me, right? So we walk down. We get to my wife and my daughter. And she's like, son, how was it? And I was like, you didn't even go on it. She's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I need a minute, right? And I'm just like, what is wrong with me? And then I'm super embarrassed at how I just treated my son in front of all of these people. And I'm trying to justify it because I'm like, well, I'm just mad because it's the whole point of standing in line is to ride the ride. And I come back and I'm feeling like the Lord's like, oh, is that the real, is that the point? Is that the point? What are we doing here? And I go back and I apologize to August and my wife and just this weird thing with me and the Lord. And it's just funny because to me, I still, I still think about it. Because I remember that, that moment, but that, that justification of like just mad, why? Because the whole point of standing in the line isn't to get out of the line. The whole point is to ride the ride. And the kid missed it. Now, later he would come back and love it. 
but he missed it. And, and we stood in this line forever for what? There wasn't really any point. Now, one, I say it because I just want you to know, one, I'm, you know, not a great dad, right? Number two, I, I, I love my kids. I love my kids. We have fun together. But I don't want us to miss the point this, this week. And not just this week with the theme of just what truth is. I don't want us to miss the point of what life is all about. Now, I think about how, how all the different stories that each one of you have of why you came to camp. And the hardships probably that you're facing, some good, some bad, I don't know. Each one of us in a different spot in our relationship with the, with the Lord. Some don't have any idea who the Lord is. Some are, are thriving and, and we're all in the middle there. I don't want us to miss the point about who God is and, and wh why we should care and what the point of understanding a right view of him and what truth actually looks like from his mouth to us. I don't want us to miss the point. So as we start with this, in the next just little bit of time, I want to ask us, I want to ask two questions. And so if you have your booklets, go ahead and get those booklets out and, and get a pen. And I really want you to write these two questions down because my hope, I think these are such important questions that have actually helped me in the ministry that I'm doing down in Long Beach through the Lord's help, Right. I think these are two important questions that still mess with me, mess with college students, mess with 85-year-olds. As I have these conversations with people, I find myself asking these two questions. Number one, write this one down. Ready? Who is God? You don't have to answer it yet. Who is God? Give a little bit of space. Now another big question. Why should I care? Who is God? Why should I care? Not I, Rich. Why should you care? I think it's some more questions. We'll, we'll talk through why. Uh, I'm going to put just a, uh, you know, just give you two minutes, which isn't, it's really hard to answer these two un, very important questions in two minutes, but that's all the time we got. So you got two minutes, and I don't like awkward silences, so we're going to put some music on so it's not awkward. Don't look at the person next to you. It's just between you and, uh, and yourself. And look, this first question, I recognize there's people in here. You don't know who God is. Well, then just put a question mark but don't make it a cop-out. I don't want to do tests. It's not a test. We're starting this, this idea of like, well, truth be told. So let's start asking these questions. If not here, when and where would you ask it? So who is God? Don't just put a question mark. Maybe ask some questions that you there. Just write down what, what, comes, what comes to mind when you think, who is God? And then why you should care. Take a few minutes, let's do that.
hopefully uh, you're, you're kind of coming to the end of that one and let's move to why you should care. Why should you care? What, is, what does that matter? Thirty seconds, no big deal. Two important questions. I give you two minutes. Great job. Start wrapping that one up. And if again you don't finish it, that's okay. Put dot dot dot, and uh, come back to it later this week, this next month, whatever it might be. All right. Thanks for that music. I don't love awkward silences. So. All right, as you look at that, as you look at that answer, right? Who is God? The first one. The, the, the first question I want you to look at, what, what you wrote on that answer. Here's the first question I think I would have you to look at. Is it biblical? And what I mean by that is, can you find that answer in the Bible? Why does that matter? Because here's the question I didn't ask. Hey, who do you think God is? I didn't ask that question because as much as I do like you guys, I don't really care your idea or opinion on who God is. Why? Because there are so many opinions all over this world now about anything and everything. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that that's truth. What I asked is, who is God? Well, how then do we know the answer? Because we look at God's word. Well, how do we know that's reliable? We're going to talk about that more tonight. But as we have a better understanding, a right biblical view of who God is, we go to the word to say, who does God say that he is? You can know things about me, but if I start saying this is who I am, it, it speaks differently because you can know things about me by other people or we can have a conversation and I say, this is who I am. That has more authority. So we got to go to God's word to say, God, who do you say that you are? Why wouldn't we know that first? We'd want to go there. So the first thing is, is it biblical? And if it's not, that's okay. We've got time to continue to change and, and, and adapt. And I've been thinking about these two words for years now, or these two questions. And I've continued to change and switch things up because there's so much that goes into these two questions. Who God is? That second question, why should I care? The, the, the answer to that is... the. However you answer that first question ultimately will dictate the way that you live your life, or at least it should. You see, if, if you come in and you're writing down that, that God is love, if that's a biblical truth that you believe wholeheartedly that God is love, here's the question. How come some of you feel lonely and unloved? How can that be? If God is love and you, you claim that you are a follower of the Lord, if he is love, how do you feel unloved? That if God is hope, how come some of you feel hopeless this week? How can that be if he is what he says he is and you say that's who God is? Or you say maybe you wrote down who is God. God is king of my life. Is he? How come then that it looks like you're king of your life? 
You see how we answer that question is who God is, not who do you say God is. Who does God say he is? That the truth of that should dictate the way we live our life. God is love. If he's loved and I'm loved, I should be able to love. And I like those two questions and I like writing them down, especially at the beginning of this week, because as we go through, I would love it as you continue to massage that, that answer and continue to grow. Why? Because you need to look at it. Why? Because we forget. We forget to look up. We put our heads down and we think about the, the stuff right in front of us and the heartache that we're going through and all this stuff, which I get because that's life. But as we have a right view of God, a biblical right view of God, it takes our eyes off the muck and the grossness and the hardship and it puts our eyes here where it needs to be. So there's a lot to this question, who is God? And I get that. And again, we only have just a, a few minutes here, but these are some, and I know it's the world's smallest whiteboard and the biggest stand in the world, but uh, uh, and you probably can't even see it, but we, we've got some of these things on the screen as well. I like the visual here because I want to walk through. We're not going to walk through all of them super long, but we have to understand, again, a right view of God in one sentence or you know a couple of words are just hard to understand. But for me, you know, four words that really just make me stop looking down and in myself to look up is the fact that God is eternal. He's creator. He's fully satisfying and he's personal. There's a lot more attributes about God, but for me right now in this season, those are four that I cling to and I hold on to. Now, for some of you, it might be a little different and we'll get to that and that's Okay. But each one is biblical. One, he's eternal. Why do I think that that's important? Because being eternal, there's nothing else or anything else that is eternal except for God. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. Before anything was there, he was. Father, Son, Spirit, this triune God just existed before anything. He made, in fact, that's what we read in John, that uh, in the beginning was the word, words, words was with God, the word was God. He created everything. He sustains all things. He's always existed. There was no beginning, no end. There was never a time that God was not. And that messes with me. And I like that it messes with me because it makes me think, huh, Maybe he knows a little bit more what's up in my life than I should know. And he's unlike anything or anyone that I know. And that alone, that eternal nature of who God is, makes me do this. Huh. Okay. I'm listening. He's creator. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, what did he do? He created. Psalm 115 says this, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. That not only did God have the power and the knowledge and the wisdom to create, he actually had the ability. He did. He created it all. He, his words spoke everything we see into, uh, into uh, existence. He had the power, the ability, the wisdom to do that. Think about that. This creator desires, he's a creative God. We saw that on that video with the oceans and how overwhelming just the ocean is. You think about the stars that he put into place. And, and I think that it's important to understand that he's a creator. Why? Because it's his world, not mine. 
If stars could talk, how silly would it be for a star to be like, man, I wish I was a little bit brighter. I wish I was a little smaller. I wish I was a, you know, part of the Orion's belt. Or I wish, it'd be like, zip it. You're a star. Your job is to shine. Do it. God's creation, he creates. It's his universe to rule. And I need to remember that sometimes because I think life is about me at times. That I find myself, I, I'm in charge. I'm in control. This is my world. And he's like, uh, in the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, rich. And it's I have a right view of who God is, a right biblical view. I understand he's this eternal God that makes me go, whoa. And, and that he's created everything. And it's not my world, it's his. But it doesn't just stop there. He's fully satisfying. Jeremiah 31 says this, I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul. I will replenish. I will satisfy it. In fact, uh, Psalm 16, in your presence is, is fullness of joy. I think some of us who have started walking and enjoying the Lord. We understand that you know, he says, you know, I'm good. And we'll talk about goodness here in a minute. But he says, come to me, you know, come and taste and see that I'm good. But other things we, we, we don't, I don't know if we really understand that he is fully satisfying that in Jesus, that, that in our relationship with God, understanding a right view of God and clinging on to our relationship with God, that he is fully satisfying, which means nothing else could truly satisfy us as he can. And that's kind of overwhelming to think about, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. And I think we don't really think that it's true as Christians in the room because we're taking little bites of other things that would maybe satisfy us. And he's like, no, 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 no. Those are just cheap imitations of who I am. I'm the only one that could truly satisfy you. I got this puppy, Scout. I take her on walks. There's a lot of crazy things I'm learning about dogs. I take her on walks and Man, she eats every stupid thing on the ground, and it's like gross stuff. And I'm like, stop, Scout, get over here. And I got, you know, I got her little kibble, you know, with me. And I'm like, hey, Scout. And she's like, man, I want this over here. I'm like, that's a mashed up, you know, piece of pizza or whatever it is. She's like, yeah, but it's good. I'm like, it's going to kill you, and it's awful. It's been there. It's got green on it. She's like, I don't care, right? Because she talks to me, right? I'm like, stop it, you know? And then we're walking, and she's like, ooh, what's this over here? Uh... Dried up Slurpee. And I'm like, gosh, people are dirty in Long Beach, right? They just leave stuff everywhere. And my dog loves to eat it up. And she's not, she's not as, uh, she, she knows when it's kibble time, man, she gets after it. She eats it quick. Why? Because it's good for her. And she knows I will take care of her. I, I will actually satisfy that hunger in her. But while we're walking, her eyes are everywhere and she sees, you know, all of these different things. And she's taking little samples of all this stuff that's just not really satisfying her. But if she was to come back, man, I've got the good stuff. I've got the real stuff, the stuff she's actually longing for. As we have a right biblical view of who God is, we have to understand he is fully satisfying. He's not just a little bit. Everything else is a cheap imitation compared to him. And for me, I need to remember that, that he's fully satisfying and that he is personal. 
Genesis 3, it talks about that he's created all of these things. He creates man and woman. He says, it is good. It is very good. And it says he walks with his creation. He walks with them in the, in the garden in the cool of the day. That he's not a distant God. He doesn't just create and then step back and say, good luck. And I wonder if there's some of us in the room that actually think that's how he works. And he doesn't. Because the Bible's clear that we messed up this relationship. We broke this relationship. We'll talk about it all week. We broke it. Page one, the rest of the Bible is him fixing it and showing that he is personal. That he knows us. Psalm 139 says, God, God, you know everything about me. It's overwhelming of who you are, who you are, and the fact that you know me. We were driving up uh, yesterday, uh, me, my son, and daughter. My wife's going to come up later this week. And we're coming up. We leave uh, LA and, and we're driving up now through the mountains in August. My son, who's just, it's awesome. I love it. I love my kids. My son's looking around. He's like, God, isn't it, Dad, isn't it awesome that God just he created all this? I was like, it is, that is awesome. He's like, isn't it cool, too, that God knows us? And I was like, yes, that is awesome, buddy. Do you want to teach this week? And he said this. He's like, it's just crazy to think. Like, he's, he doesn't watch YouTube a lot, but he got into... Um, Again, maybe you know, maybe it's you know too young for you. I don't know what it is. This guy named Unspeakable, right? And uh, it, my son loves watching this guy. He does this weird, stupid stuff. Um, fills his house with like you know McDonald's balls and whatever. I don't know. But my son watches him sometimes, and and you know he, he kind of just thinks that he's awesome, right? And my son said, you know, Dad, it would be so amazing if Unspeakable knew my name. I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's that cool, but okay. Uh, he's like, but think about it. And I'm literally having this conversation with my 11-year-old. And he's starting to understand. He's like, the fact that if, if unspeakable, this guy who knows so many people would actually know me, that would, that would be pretty cool. But the fact that God who created all this knows me, I'm like, <laughs> I get it. And the fact that you get it blows my mind because I don't know if we get it as much as we think that we do. Or we, we, we get it one day, or we get it here at camp, and then we go home, and life is hard, and we think, well, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, I'm not just uh, here. I'm right there with you, because my word says I will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, first, or John, that we just talked about as we opened it up, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Light came into the darkness, and then it's a beautiful thing that says, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We're going to talk about Jesus this week. We're going to talk about God, Jesus being fully God, fully man, comes down, leaves heaven, and lives a perfect life. Not just to go to the cross, but to show us actually how to live perfectly human, with full obedience to the Lord but also showing compassion and love and, and, and just being with his creation and dwelling with them, interacting with them. If that's not personal, I don't know how much more personal you could get. So for me, as I think about God, as I think we, we have to have a right view of God, and for me, I constantly have to come back to our rich. He's eternal. He is creator. He is fully satisfying when other things are trying to pull my attention. No, 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 no. He's fully satisfying. And he's so personal. He's not distant. 
But it's so much more than that, and we're going to fly through these. He's also just, according to Deuteronomy. He's also good, according to Luke 18. He's also hope. He's also hope. He says, I am hope. And I don't know about you, but I think we need hope in the world that we live in today. And he's like, this is it. I am it. You want hope? It's only in me. Very similar to love. 1 John 4 says that God is love. Let that set in. You are not love. I am not love. I can be loving, but I'm not love. He's the source of love. You're finding yourself longing to be loved? Why are you settling for cheap imitations when he is it? Love comes from him. He is love. He's not a part love. He is. He's fully love. And he freely gives it. And he says, stop looking for it in other places. I'm the only one that can fully satisfy. I'm the one that you've been searching for. Quit finding cheap imitations of the real thing is only in me. He's faithful. We're looking for faithfulness. Someone who can actually trust truth be told. Someone who's faithful is what he says is true. In fact, he can't go against his own nature. He's faithful. He is, he is good. He can't go against that. He can't lie. John 10, 10 says that he is life. John says that he is life which means God is life. He is what we want to cling to. He is everything that we really, really want. And then we're trying to settle for, and he's like, I am it. Why? Because in the beginning, I always existed, and I created. I have the power, the wisdom. I have the love to give. I have the hope that you're looking for. I have the satisfaction that you need. First Samuel says a, a word in the Bible that is used constantly about God as holy. I am holy. People say it about God, that God is holy. Holy, holy, holy. And the idea of holiness is just this, or holy is this, set apart. People, there's, there's creatures right now in heaven just saying, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. And the idea of set apart, you are, you are set apart, you are set apart, you are unlike anything else. You are set apart, you are unlike anything else. You are unlike anything else. And, and they say that. What would it look like if we did that? God, you are unlike anything else. Good, that'll get you to stop looking here and looking up because he's like, good, you've got a right view of me. I am unlike anything else. Don't put me in the same category as I love chocolate and I love God because it's not even on the same level. So stop making it the same level. Let's not lower the standard of who God is. Because as we lower the standard of who God is, we then can debate with God. Well, God's not that holy. He's not that just. He's not that personal. He's not, you know, that uh, loving or satisfying or holy. I mean, I'm kind of holy myself. I'm kind of, I have some wisdom. And all of a sudden we raise the standard of us. We lower the standard of him. And now, guess what? We could debate with God. Yeah, God, is that really true? Is that really the best course of action? And he's like, what are we doing here? In fact, he has this conversation with Job. 
Job's kind of going back, Lord, Lord, I don't, I don't understand. And he says, oh, you want me to tell you? Let me ask you this. Where were you when I created everything? All of a sudden, Job's like, my bad. Isaiah, we read about it in chapter 6. I think sometimes we think about God as just this homeboy, this, this buddy of ours. And, and yes, as we recognize him as our Lord and Savior and King, yes, there's an amazing relationship that happens, but we've got to be just so careful with, with understanding the right view of God. That Isaiah walks up and, you know, I think sometimes we think, God oh, will go up to heaven and he'll be like, what's up, hombre? This is awesome, Lord, this is great, I'm here. You know, you, you, you're welcome that I'm here. And Isaiah, it says in scriptures, he sees the Lord, he falls on his face, and he, he literally is trying to get away from God's presence. Why? Because God is so unlike anything else. He's so holy, and it's just radiating, and he's like, I got to get away. As we have a right view of God, then we start to understand, okay, in light of who he is, if this is biblically, if this is true, what he says about himself through his word, then we have to understand if he is who he says he is. He is the highest authority. And when he says something, I don't get to debate it. It's truth because it comes from a holy, satisfying, loving, personal, faithful, eternal, just creator that is so good. Video here, there's a lot of amazing things from my buddy Kevin who was doing that spoken word, which was brilliant, by the way, Hume, good job on that. Says this, there's an answer of a version that is true. But to find it, you have to go on searching. We're looking for truth. You might just be looking for truth in the wrong kind of place. And I'm telling you, it's got to start right at the source. And as we have a biblical view of who God is, a right biblical view of God, then we understand what he speaks is truth. He uses it through his word. We're going to talk about that tonight. Last thing this morning. As you look at the way you answer that question, who is God? If it is biblical, and it's not things that I put on my list, but it's biblical, what's crazy about God is it's true about him. Not just at times. It's true about him always. Just like this, he's not, it's not like a pie where he is a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of life, and a little bit of hope, and a little bit of love. He is all of those things always. And friends, as you look at your list, it should overwhelm you, and that is the point. Let's not miss the point. We have a God that is fully satisfying, so let's be overwhelmed by him and listen when he speaks the truth in our life. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you again for uh, this camp. And as we're just diving into, again, who you are, we thank you for your word. And even tonight as we talk about your word of why it's reliable, why we can trust it, what you say about your word, <laughs> 
Lord, I pray you get our hearts ready for this week and what you're doing. And wherever we're at in our relationship with you again, God, fired up and excited about you, God, may you meet us there. If we are have a question mark next to who you are, I pray that they get their questions answered. If not asking this week, where would they ask? They don't just take opinions, but we go to the source. We go to you, who you say you are. Be with us this, this morning. Ask to ponder these things. Be with us this afternoon and during recreation, having a blast. Cabin hangouts. Get our hearts ready for tonight. May you continue to move in our lives and remind us who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.